bitch, please. Oh, bitch, please, my ass. You want a sandwich? Dig that. Oh, hell yeah. She's a bad I'm a black man in a white world. I'm a black man in a white world. If I wasn't a Christian man, I'd probably be kicking in your ass. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Today we will say sorry now or for now, possibly to a character for the last nine years who kept us very entertained and walked out stage left by winning a national title. And other updates here next on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. In a world that's racing a mile a minute, a split-second distraction can change everything. I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. Every day we see too many people, heads buried in their phones, unaware of the dangers they're in. Texting and driving isn't just reckless, it's playing Russian roulette with your life and the lives of others. In just four seconds of distraction, you've driven the length of a football field. Is there any text message that's worth your life, that's worth the lives of others? I've been fighting for the rights of the injured for over 30 years, but I'd rather you never meet me in a courtroom. So hear me now, stop texting and driving. Pay attention, value your lives and the lives around you. And if you won't, know this, at Bradshaw and Bryant, we're relentless. We won't back down. We bring justice to those that need it. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. With Mike Bryant on your side, seeking justice for the injured. Bradshaw and Bryant. Welcome back to the latest episode of the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Some people would say that that song was directed totally towards me. I will never give it up. Others will say that um, it is totally directed at the topics of stories that I have today. Different people never giving it up. Before I left, I said that we were going to say goodbye, say goodbye to one of the characters in college football. And this week, or this time, last time, it was everybody's favorite, I want to run and tell you he's the GOAT, Nick Saban. Well, this one was probably the one that a lot of people really hated, and I really enjoyed watching, covering, and following, and that's Jim Harbaugh. Jim won the national title this year at Michigan. 
took and has taken a job back in the NFL with the San Diego Chargers. He he has an elite quarterback, and I hate, and if you know me, I hate the term elite, and I really think quarterbacks overrated. But uh, Herbert is quite the quarterback, so in a few years, maybe he'll take San Diego to the heights that he took Michigan. But questions that people have to ask are, does Michigan still pay the price for Jim's sins? You know, he had the recruiting issue during COVID where he met with a couple of recruits and bought them hamburgers. And uh, when it was a dead period, dead period mean no, absolutely no contact with recruits. And uh, him and Sharon Moore and a few others did it any, anyway. And then there was uh, also... Tied to that was uh, watching players work out during that time. So he's already served three games for that. But with him gone, will the NC2A want to go after Michigan for that? Some even asked, does Jim care about Michigan? I think Jim will always be a Michigan man, want to be a Michigan man. But you can question that with him leaving. But you can also question the fact that he's taken the defensive coordinator, the strength coach, and other assistants to um, San Diego, where he um, will be the new head coach. But it's just people he's comfortable with. He, him and his brother John at the uh, Baltimore Ravens would kind of switch coaches back and forth so they'd learn how to uh, be better coaches, but also how to relate in the college level and the pro level. That I'll leave that one up to you. When he leaves, he's not he's now not going to talk to the NCAA, which could make things worse on Michigan. Now, the question is, again, will the NCAA decide to just drop it because you know, he gave up three games for the recruiting during a dead period thing, during COVID. And then he was hit with another three games by the conference for sign stealing or whatever you want to term it, illegal, illegal, impermissible watching of other teams' games for to watch to steal signals or signs or whatever. Or is it, will the NCAA just say he's gone, we got our pound of flesh, or will they take it out on the new staff? And speaking of new staff, they hired Sharon Moore, who was the office, the crime offensive coordinator and the very emotional offensive coordinator. I only kid because people kid the fact that he was very emotional when he beat Penn State and very emotional when he beat Ohio State. And I think even though he thanked Coach Harbaugh, I think it was more the fact that he saw what this was doing for his future and he was successful and he beat Ohio State, he beat Maryland, and he beat Penn State, as I stated earlier. Now, Coach Moore also served a one-game suspension for the first first crop of NCAA rule-breaking, which was meeting with recruits during a dead period and watching players work out. Will the NCAA just say, come back and say, well, we're just going to attach it to him? Or like I said, will they just say, dead, it's over with, he's gone, we're not going to attack the kids who are left behind, 
which seems to be the new way that the NCAA wants to handle things. They may find you. If you're still around They, as a coach, they may come after you. But recently, it seems like they're letting people, more and more schools, once that person's gone, be, be it being fired or left on their own, that they're giving them a break. Now, one thing that will happen with Coach Harbaugh gone, well, you would think there would be less drama. The man was a walking drama incitement. He ticked off other coaches. He ticked off his own administration. He, I, I would say the only people who never ticked off were his own players and his own assistants. Outside of that, he ticked off anybody and everybody and didn't care because he had a plan and he was going to get to executing his plan. And he, but then he pulled it off. He did the two things he wanted to do make Michigan, or three things make Michigan relevant, have Michigan win a national title on top of beating uh, Ohio State and winning the Big Ten three years in a row. And also getting his butt back to where he wanted to be, which was the NFL. So. I would say there would be less drama unless Coach Moore really gave us an insight and is going to be emotional about everything under his uh, at Michigan. One thing I want to talk about, and I'm kind of happy it didn't happen, but also kind of shocked when he was named. The term you never heard, and you it maybe was buried in the press release, was that he's the first person of color to be a head football coach at the University of Michigan. Have we gotten to a point where it's like, yeah, they hired the guy and they don't have to put in the first sentence, the word race. In this case, it didn't happen. Michigan didn't do it. And a lot of the national pundits didn't do it. I was kind of shocked, but very happy that we might be getting to a point where we're beyond that. And even though I will continue to say, he needs to be given every opportunity and every break that Coach Harbaugh was given. And that's where race comes into play when it comes to college coaches. A lot of times where other people are given maybe three, three and a half years, it seems like black and minority coaches are only given a year, year and a half. It'll be interesting to see. Is he ready? Well, we can only go by his track record and his players. His players wanted him they basically tore down the door saying this is a man they wanted to play for. And his track record, he was 4-0 in the games that he was appointed the head coach. And those were three of those were some big, uh, pretty big coach. Other questions that will be come up, can he win at Michigan, at the Michigan level, I should say? I would hope so. But you never know. Everybody thought that Scott Frost going back to Nebraska was going to be a slam dunk. You never know until somebody gets on the field as a coach, as a player, if things are going to turn out the way that everybody thinks they're going to turn out. Is there something that new that he can bring to the table? Well, there's several things that Coach Sharon Moore can bring to the table. He can stop pissing off people. <laughs> Or maybe he doesn't care, and he's going to continue to do so. But another thing he can do, he can re maybe he can possibly recruit at a higher level than even Jim Harbaugh did. And you're going to say, what? He said, and I'm going to tell you, yeah, Coach Harbaugh's recruiting, and I 
these whole is he a three star, a four star, a five star are way overrated. Part of that is they're three star or four star, and then if Alabama recruits them, they automatically becomes a five star. Or if they're a three star and Alabama recruits them, they automatically become a four star. Some of that is misleading. I think the whole star stuff is crap, especially when it comes to quarterbacks and people breaking their necks and schools doing whatever they can to recruit quarterbacks because, again, you don't know until they get on your field how they're going to handle the pressures, how they're going to handle being in school, and all those things. And kids don't, they don't know. It's all new to them, and they're just going to do the best they can. Now, the reason why I said you can't buy into stars, how many four-stars and five-star quarterbacks do you See, transferring from one school to the next and to another school and being at four schools in four years or four schools in five years. And some of that has to do the system didn't work for them or the coach didn't work for them and they didn't win enough and they thought they could run to another school and win more to enhance their pro prospect ability. So we never know anything about those things. But it... I will say this, under Coach Harbaugh, most of his players were three stars, some four stars, maybe a handful of fives, and was the threes and fours were coached up and the fives were two. Uh, maybe Coach Moore can recruit more just four and five and continue to coach them up. Coach Harbaugh had three top-level uh, quarterback recruits in the state of Michigan in the past two years and he got none of them maybe coach Moore when the next time that happens he can get one of them he lost one to LSU this year he lost one to Notre Dame and he lost one to Oregon maybe that's something that coach Moore can bring to the table and be a little bit better at recruiting I stated earlier what will the NC2 2A due to Michigan, uh, they can they can increase the penalties on what already was given to Coach Harbaugh, or they can fine Michigan. What what was it? Uh, Tennessee this year paid a seven million dollar fine for self reporting a heavy recruiting issue at their school. Maybe they won't put them on postseason probation. Maybe they won't have. Coach Moore sit anymore. Maybe they'll just find Michigan and get, get a part of that college football playoff championship money from Michigan and call it call it a day. Well, with Coach Hallbar leaving and Coach Moore taking over, what was the biggest reaction you saw? Well, it was Ohio State, of course. Ohio State went out and tried to buy everything they could. A running back from Ole Miss. They got a quarterback who transferred from Alabama plus a corner and other pieces. They went after everything in the transfer portal that they thought they needed. They ran off their starting quarterback from the previous year, and now they have three, no, two five-star quarterbacks and one four-star quarterback sitting there at, at the school. They're going to sit. Plus, they brought in a transfer from Kansas State. So they're going to see who's best. 
and roll with that in the fall. The question will be remaining when you start doing that with quarterbacks. Well, after the spring, if you name who's the who's going to be the starter, will others stick around to see if they could possibly play in case of injury or mop up or whatever? But Coach Day, I guess crying Ryan, as we call him in the Big Ten, is uh, pretty much done with crying. Uh, Jim is gone, and he thinks it's his conference to win back. Will Ohio State be stronger? I guess they could only be stronger, but again, the conference itself is going to be stronger. Got to remember, Washington's now in the conference. Oregon's in the conference. Oregon didn't lose their coach, and they did well in the transfer portal. Washington may have lost their head coach, but they did okay in the transfer portal, even though they lost some, they gained some, and they got a decent coach from Arizona. So we'll see. And also, UCLA and USC will be joining the Big Ten party. There will be no cakewalk for UCLA, I mean for OSU, Ohio State, but right now they would be the hands-high favorite to win the conference and possibly be either the first or second team spoken to win a national title. Does win at all costs win? I haven't seen it work yet. In these days of NIL, I see it costs your collectives a lot of money, your boosters a lot of money. But the backside of that is if you don't win, then people will come back at you and possibly run you off as a coach if you don't, if you don't win or if you're not successful to the level they want you to be. I mean, it's going to be a little bit easier in the sense there will be a 12-team playoff next year, four-team and you will see more teams with more losses at the top taking more chances because they know they have a lot more room to fail than they've done in the past because most of the time you could only basically lose one. Or as you can see in Florida State case, they didn't lose any and still didn't get in. Here's a topic I want to touch real uh, short, but have you guys think about Recently, there's been, you know, Jim Harbaugh leaves, uh, Coach Saban leaves, but there's been other coaches jump to from the college ranks to take coordinator positions and other positions. It's rumored the head coach at UCLA, Chip Kelly, is looking for an NFL offensive coordinator job. It makes you wonder, is it? Something going on? Of course it is. These are people who are tired of playing the NIL game. They're tired of playing the transfer portal game. But most of all, they're tired of re-recruiting their own players. You recruit those, you think that's just money in the bank, and you can go out, recruit new freshmen or transfers. Well, what the, the existing players have figured out, life gets better for me. At the end of a season, if I had a pretty good year or a decent year, if I throw my name in the portal, doesn't mean I have to leave that school. Maybe I get a sweeter deal at that school. Or maybe there is a sweeter deal out there for me. Just keep an eye on that. Just keep an eye on the amount of coaches flocking away from college football to pro football. And even in some cases, there was a guy down in 
Texas. He was a coordinator for TCU. Took a head coach's job. They rather deal with the high school kids where they have control of. And the NFL, of course, you have control. You and the general manager have control of the players in the roster. But in college football, you don't have that anymore. I don't know who has control over it. I don't think anybody does. I don't even think the players do. Because they run from situation situation to situation. And so how can they have control? Who knows? And even in the case of we saw Ohio State cut their returning starting quarterback for a full season because he didn't muster up enough and he didn't beat Michigan and they didn't win a Big Ten title. You never know what's going to happen in college, especially college football, maybe in college basketball, baseball, softball, a few other sports. But roster management is becoming a real downer for a lot of people and it's chasing them out of college sports chasing them into the pros and in some cases back to high school sports here's a note the ncaa wins yes they won a legal battle uh there's those couple of teams i think is nike elite uh, ignite whatever it is called which there are teams where kids who are finished with high school don't want to go play college but want to want to get better while they sit out and wait for their one year before they can turn pro, and they are doing so. But here's where the NCAA won. There was uh, several of those players, and they were on the Ignite team, who decided things didn't work out the way they planned because their draft stock wasn't where they thought it should be to go pro. And I think the uh, those... Uh, in-between teams or buffer teams or whatever you want to call them, elite teams, they're a one-year thing. So they were kind of ass over tea kettle out as far as options. So they thought, well, I'll just go to, I'll just go to college because everybody's making money now. So the money I made shouldn't make any difference. Well, the NC2A considers that once you make that decision that you are a pro and that Pros can't come back and reclaim their a- amateur status. The players took them to court, and the NCAA actually won a court case. Once you take professional money by the court and by the NCAA, you are a pro, and you have given up all rights to come back or go and try to play college uh, college basketball again as i always state i talk about these things buyers and parents beware be smart be educated and know your options i heard a new term thrown out by Dion sanders the other day and it was called parent agents and i never thought of it that way but exactly that's the role they're playing now they're not being parents i hate to say it but they're pimping out their kids to be um to make money, most cases it's money for the kid, but in a lot of cases it's money for the family. So they're pimping out their kid, and they're trying to play agent, which most of them are uneducated as far as the ways of the NC2A, the ways of the NBA, the ways of everything. And they're, they're only getting bits and pieces of information, or they're only listening to information that they deem is worth having or worth knowing. They give. They wind up giving their child bad advice, 
which leads to bad decisions, which leads then leads to things like my kid has to go overseas and play now because he can't go to college. He can't go back to any elite leagues and he's not ready for the NBA. Again, parents, be smart, beware, and don't be an agent. Hire, hire an agent. Look into their background first. Hire them. Most of the time, if your child's worth it, they'll spot you some cash. If you're going to go that route, you're going to have to pay it back once your child gets the big check. But if you're making those decisions, that's a lot safer than you trying to be an agent when you're uneducated, you're not a lawyer, and you don't know how to read fine print. Well, again, this is a shorty. I'm going to go to a commercial break, come back and wrap this up here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Is that text you're sending so important that you miss your turn? Is that text you're sending so important that you ran the red light? Is that text you're sending so important you didn't see the ball coming onto the road or the child that followed? Hi, I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. When you take your eyes off the road for even four seconds, your vehicle travels 100 yards. That's the entire length of a football field. If you absolutely have to text, you need to pull off the road somewhere safe and do it from there. Texting and driving is against the law and can cause serious injury or even death to you and others. Now that is important. We hope you're never injured in a collision, but if you are, please contact us. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Going farther with my Bryant on your side, seeking justice for the injured. Bradshaw and Bryant. is what I would call college sports. It's definitely on fire, but it's definitely different in the sense that it is just totally new. With Every time you turn around, there's a new story, a new problem, a new issue, be it whatever it may be. Wait a minute. There is some news breaking, and I got to go to the news desk. So hang on for a second as I go to the news desk and check out these stories. Wow. You, like I told you, you never know what's going to happen when it comes to college sports. It's a Friday, so it's a news dump. So that's when colleges normally try to throw out stories So the most of you are either going on vacation, doing something for the weekend, 
are not paying attention that they could hopefully have just roll away until Monday and a lot of the steam of the story would go away. Well, here's the first one. You guys remember the idiot base, <clears throat> the idiot better who took information from the college baseball coach, Coach uh, Bohannon at Alabama, and who was fired <laughs> within less than a couple of days because the guy was so dumb. While the penalties have now come out against Alabama in that, and to refresh what for everybody, what happened in that story was Alabama's baseball coach text a friend of a friend or acquaintance or whatever he wants to classify him as. Some people says he's part he was part of the coach's recruiting system as far as uh, kidding players, but I don't know if that was a hundred percent was made to be factual, but some people are throwing that out there. But Coach Bohannon had gotten information, knew of the fact that his starting, uh, the LSU starting pitcher was not going to start against his team. And he contacted his guy who was a better, and that guy ran to a betting place, which happens to be right at the field that the Cincinnati Reds play at and tried to put down a $100,000 bet on one of the teams in that game with the insider knowledge. I, and I'm going to say I'm being foggy. I can't remember if it was LSU pitcher that got scratched or it was Al No, I believe it was the Alabama pitcher that got scratched. And once he figured that out, he told his guy, even before he let LSU know, that that player of his was being scrapped. That guy went to throw down $100,000. You, you all go, well, what's odd about that? Nobody bets more than five grand on a college baseball game. And when that happened, it sent signals to the people collecting the bets to notify their bosses, we got something going on here because we got somebody who wants to put down $100,000. Well, when they questioned the guy, I, I don't know the guy's name. I'll just continue to call him Idiot Better. Idiot Better showed them a showed them the message that he got over a cryptic website, meaning that it was pretty a very safe website to do this on. But he showed them the message, which then their cameras recorded, saying, "Well, I know it's going to be a winner because." He, Coach Bohannon sent me the information. That's why I call him idiot better. You never let people know, especially if you're going to go lay down money, that you have insider information on the situation. And even with that, he should have just went and laid $5,000 and been happy with his gains of whatever the amount he would have gotten back or maybe had somebody else not related to him come and put down a couple of grand and just keep working it that way on that game. But even the amount of people betting on a college game would have sent up a signal. So they they looked at this, did their investigation, contacted Alabama. Alabama self-reported right away once they got the information. And here's the penalties that Alabama is now facing. Three years probation because this coach was an idiot and dealt with idiots. 
a $5,000 fine to be paid to the NCAA, a 15-year show cause for that coach, meaning any employing member institution shall restrict Bohannon from any athletically related positions, meaning he can't be hired as a coach in the, in, by any NCAA institution for 15 years. The most you hear in a show cause is four to five years. And if a school hires you, you have to sit out, I think, at least for the first full year and maybe even longer. And also, he, he shall be suspended. Oh, in this case, he will be suspended 100% of the regular season for the first five seasons if somebody hired him. I was just reading that. So if school B hires him, which means he would have to sit out 100% of every game for the first five years he's hired. And then the next 10 years, he would be on a show, still on a show cause, meaning if he does anything wrong, it's like being on probation. And he would, he would have to serve the other 10 years at that point. So he's untouchable. He did it to himself. You, again, you got to be educated on who you're dealing with who you know, and you just don't bet on sports. If you tie, I remember when me being an equipment manager, I would not, I wouldn't even bet on the NC2A basketball pools, which you can have some legally, which doesn't have money or prizes that you just do it for fun. I could do that, but I wouldn't even do that. I just wouldn't, and I didn't even have insider information. I was just safe not to do it. Speaking of NC2A and self-reporting, the University of Iowa signed a big transfer last week. Caden Proctor, an offensive tackle. If that name sounds familiar, it should. He played his freshman year at Alabama this past year for Nick Saban. Nick Saban flipped him from Iowa in the last second, doing this time last year, and he went to go play for Alabama, figuring he would go play for Coach Saban and get his prospects even higher. The guy was good enough to start as a freshman at Alabama as an offensive tackle. Well, when Coach Saban left, he decided to put his name in the portal, and guess where he wound up? You got it, University of Iowa. He wanted to go back home, he stated. And everybody at Iowa were happy to welcome him back. In an interview at a college basketball game with the young man, they asked him about his recruitment back to Iowa. And he said, well, they never stopped recruiting me. Or they never stopped being in contact with me. That is a clear violation. Iowa self-reported. We'll see what happens. I don't think they'll make him sit out games or whatnot. But you never know. The, the, the person who contacted him may lose their job over it. But we'll see. But again, idiots getting in the way. And lastly, the Big Ten 
and SEC announce a formation of a joint advisory group of university presidents, chancellors, and ADs to address significant challenges facing college athletics and opportunities for the betterment of the student-athlete. Now, understand the key words in this. A joint advisory group. They didn't state. They did not call it an alliance. People are running from the word alliance because of the Big Ten, the the Big 12, and the ACC alliance, which uh, cost the the basically the Pac-12. It's the Pac-12. I may have said Big 12, but I meant Pac-12. It's conference, basically. As the Big Ten went and stole schools and then continued to take schools. And also jammed up the ACC to the point where you have people like, uh, or schools like uh, Florida State and, and not Florida, but Florida State and Miami and others trying to leave the conference. They clearly did not use the word alliance in this and it's and it's headed up by university presidents chancellors and a few ad's they didn't say conference commissioners they they want to, i guess they want this to be done at the uh intellectual level of the presidents and chancellors and maybe a trusted few ad's to sit down and discuss what they should really be looking at what they should how maybe they could set up things so that the NC2A is not always going to court over something. Can they be player fr more player-friendly? And the other thing that they're trying, <laughs> trying to do here is clearly stop the law cases. The one thing they made clear, and I didn't read, but they made clear further in their statement was they're not trying to start the split between the haves and the have-nots and walk away from the ACC, the Big 12, the Mountain West, and all the other conferences that would be left behind if those two decided to split and leave on their own. I think they understand. They need the other conferences. As much as TV and your favorite people, Dan Patrick, would want to tell you that this is going to happen because the TV networks want it to happen, and then they're going to start relegating teams and then doing this and doing that because in their mind this is a great would be the greatest thing ever because they live in a damn fantasy land. They want to do this, and it seems like it's clearly because, as they stated, the opportunities for the betterment of the student-athlete, meaning... We're tired of getting our ass sued. Well, with that, I want to wrap this up. Sorry for the news break in. But like I said, all of a sudden this came across the wire. These stories came across the wire late. Who knows? It's a Friday. It's a news dump day. So with that, oh, one other thing. Uh, some people have reached out to me personally. They want to get an update from me. I am out of a cast. I am in a boot. No, it's not a walking boot. It is a stabilization boot. I can, st I still cannot put 
bear any weight on my uh, ankle, my foot. I still have to use a knee scooter. I still have to use crutches. I still have some numbness, some pain. I know what's causing. <laughs> I figured out last night what's causing the numbness, which maybe will help. Uh, the pain is just going to be the pain. I have a nerve infliction or illness or issue. It's called small cell neuropathy. I've known that I've had this for a while. So having this surgery probably isn't, wasn't the best thing for that either. I have to be careful the way I sit or lay or my f foot and lower leg will go numb. And it is unbearable when that happens. It's like your foot falling asleep, but intensified by 100. I go back February 13th. I don't know what that means at that point if we continue with the stabili stabilization boot or if I'm moved into a walking boot. Don't tell my doctors. I've started some exercises, but they're nothing. I'm not uh, weight-bearing or putting any pressure on my foot or my ankle. They're more to stabilize my hip and my lower back because I could feel that they were starting to go. Uh, these were. I looked these up, and they were actually being done by a doctor who had a broken ankle, and he was showing how to do it, but he was stressing, just like my doctor would, no weight to be bared on my uh, ankle at all, and they don't bear any weight. Again, they strengthen my hip, my thigh, and my lower back just to keep those uh, in shape. And so when I do get to a point where I can start rehabbing my lower leg and start walking on it again, not everything has gone to crap. Uh, I've learned that I'm going to have to learn how to rewalk again. So I'm looking forward to that. But there will probably be nothing new until February 13th. Uh, like I said, they took the cast off because Sissy Boyd here. Well, they took the first one off because it was time and they wanted to check the um, wound. At that time, they took the sutures and staples out, and, and they said everything was healing like it should, and everything looked good. Put a new cast on, and it was driving me insane, and even the cast before that was driving me insane. So they put me in a boot. I have to have it on at all times, just like I would if I had casts on. Only difference is I can loosen it up, I can tighten it up, but it has to stay on. Uh, I, like I said, I can't walk on it. So those who reached out to ask... Thanks for reaching out. Thanks for checking up on me. I'm going to continue the plan and follow my doctor. And also, I'm going to continue to record podcasts here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. And until next time, take care and be smart. JB is my name and f***ing up motherfuckers is my game. Right on. Negro Black. African American black, black, black. Django, J. B. Damn, Dolomite. Great God in heaven, you know. J. B. Our great Negro sex machine.